El Tractorcito. It was the bum they drafted from FSU. They had no passing game. It's Tennessee Titans talk, and fellas, we finally, after so long, have a home playoff game. And we aren't going to be able to go because of COVID. Right, it just figures, you know, thanks a lot, COVID. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He said, home playoff game for once, but it seems like forever. As we were getting ready to go live here, news broke. We had a trainer test positive. He has, but so far, they're still keeping the facility open. They're doing contract tracing. But just from the initial wording of Schefter's tweet, it doesn't seem like a dramatic outbreak compared to what the Browns are going through currently. And of course, there's always the threat that we could lose even just a rotational player on the off chance. But at this point in the season, and given the fact that we already had to deal with a massive outbreak earlier, I'm not too worried about it impacting our chances compared to how the Browns are losing five, ten players and coaches. When we talked about our COVID outbreak really early in the season, you know, at least we dealt with it early. And if it happened towards the end of the season or in the playoffs, we would at least know kind of what our game plan is. And I think that's going to help us. I think, like you said, because we had that outbreak earlier in the season, I am pretty sure that all of the players are going to be very compliant, not going to stray outside the lines. Of course, we've had guys on and off a little bit, but nothing too crazy. Kind of like you, I'm hoping that this is just a one trainer and not a train wreck from COVID. Well, one would think 10 days ago, they were all like, look, it's playoff time. Nothing. You got to go home. That's it. Your wife can't go anywhere but Whole Foods. It's got to be it because... We could sit here round robin and we could name 20 guys at least that if they're out, it could fundamentally change this playoff run, you know, throughout the NFL. I think three or four guys that we just wouldn't be the same team without, especially for what we're going to have to do to beat the teams we would have to beat. You know, Tannehill, Henry, uh, I think Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown. But like you just mentioned, there's a role player or two we'd never know how it would be. So I think they're locked down. This is a super – easy virus to get those. I just hope that it doesn't affect the way this is going to go one way or the other. Guys, let's talk line. Is it still three and a half? Yep. The the latest I've seen is we are, you know, Ravens are favored by three and a half. That's a slap in the face. I hope this team gets a little angry at that and gets a little bit more motivated as the week goes on and gets dialed in and focused and gets ready for this big challenge. Landon, we've beaten the Baltimore Ravens twice in a 12-month period. Beat them a few months ago. We're three-and-a-half-point dogs at home. What has changed since we beat them? Well, what's changed is that the Ravens have seemed to be able to find that offensive spark, excluding the Steelers game where they had to play with all backups due to their own COVID outbreak. They've been a top-five offense in terms of scoring the last month of the season. Lamar Jackson seems to have found some footing as a passer. He finished with 1,000 yards. They finished with the best rushing offense in the NFL, second year in a row. And the defense has started to pick it up, and they've just found their swing, even if it's somewhat diluted with the really easy schedule down the stretch. I've noticed the last five weeks, we've all noticed, they they haven't played a murderer's row, so to speak. But I've noticed they have kind of come along on offense, and they have grown in confidence. So they, they are a better team, I believe, than the one we faced um, two months ago. Big fella, who scares you the most on this Ravens team? Just absolutely, they're going to go off and single-handedly beat us. We see some guys do that. I'll tell you what, um, the way Lamar Jackson is playing and J.K. Dobbins, their rushing attack is what terrifies me. You know, we've been pretty poor all around with our defensive effort, somewhere where I think we're going to get exploited. Really, they do a whole lot of things great in their passing game, and a lot of things really ail us. You know, we are susceptible to speed guys and 
Burning is deep, and they've got Hollywood Brown. We are susceptible to big tight ends in the middle. They got Mark Andrews. It's just the overall collective effort on their offense that gives me a little bit of heartburn. But the thing I'm really worried about is last time we played them, they didn't have Calais Campbell. They didn't have some of those defensive playmakers. Now they do. We have to impose our will against these guys. We have to slow down the game, keep their offense off the field, long drives, Derrick Henry, heavy dose of him, even spelling with with Deontay Foreman and Darrington Evans. I I want a really, really good rotation of running backs. And honestly, Derrick Henry hit the 2,000-yard mark. We don't need him to get a million yards. Obviously, I'm rooting for him to, to play his best game, but I want to ground the ball out. Really, they're a tough team right now. I think they've got a lot of a lot of things that could give us trouble. Blaise Campbell, I would honestly vote uh, for the Hall of Fame. I really would. I think he's been a very good underrated player. He just played on, you know, with the Cardinals and the Jags. Honestly, guys, uh, he's just so dominant, so big. Now he is. He was 34th out of 130 defensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus. If that matters to you, he's a really good player. It scares me. They're just gonna kind of roll downhill on us. Well, I think he was he was an All Pro. At two different positions right. on the Jags, right? Defensive tackle and an edge. I mean, that, was, that wasn't that long ago. I would say Mark Andrews scares me the most. Over the past month or so, he hasn't had to do a ton because they've been playing bad teams and they've just been able to win with defense and just rushing for a million yards. But he's their number one receiver, has been for the past two years. And when he, we played them earlier this year, he killed us even when Jalen Brown was healthy. We still don't have Jalen Brown. Our coverage linebackers are near the bottom of the NFL. Our pass coverage overall is near the bottom of the NFL. He's just the ultimate matchup nightmare. I know Hollywood Brown is super fast. He scares you. But he's been really volatile over this over the season. He doesn't scare me that much. But Andrews has killed us the past two games. Miles Boykin has sort of developed along the way they want him to. He was a later round pick last year, did not do much, looks great in the uniform. I've seen him over the last month sort of come of age. He could be a problem for us, right? He sure can. He's, you know, that big, tall receiver who's able to win those jump balls, and that's kind of where, that's another spot where we struggle. We've got some smaller corners. Thankfully, Malcolm Butler plays with a little bit of spark, and, you know, he gets feisty, and that's how he wins. But you, you see, normally, whenever Malcolm Butler is covering guys, it's those jump balls, and Malcolm Butler tries to come up from underneath and tries to punch the ball out rather than to defend the actual pass. So that kind of gets me nervous about a guy like Boykin. I don't think Butler will be on Boykin. Butler, and I think he's going to be tasked with Hollywood Brown until Hollywood Brown beats and burns him, <laughs> and then they're going to put a Dory on him, and I don't know if the way a Dory's playing, I don't know if that's a smart idea. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a, a challenge all around. They lost who I think, it, besides Lamar Jackson's their best player, Ronnie Stanley. They've been different without him. We were able to take advantage of that. This offensive line is not the weakest we'll see. Are we going to be able to take advantage of it? I think we will be able to. Hopefully, Derek Roberson is back, so we'll have another edge rusher that's actually NFL starting caliber. We ended the year hot. We had four sacks, even though we're the first playoff team ever with under 20 sacks in a full 16 games. Their interior offensive line, I believe Jeffrey Simmons can still get pressure, even though he's been somewhat quiet since Clowney went out for the year. Lamar will have to be forced outside. So far, we've had good game plans to keep him contained, use the sideline as an extra defender. They only really have the weapons to wear. If Deshaun Watson gets outside the pocket, you're scared because he has the weapons to make you pay. 
The Ravens don't really do that. They make you pay because Lamar's running ability shifts the defense and guys are wide open. And Lamar just doesn't have that ability to where things aren't going right for him. He's not going to make the perfect play every time. The defensive line and outside linebacker, they go McPhee, Calais Campbell, the big boy Williams, Ethan Wolf, throwing Ngakwe in there, Matt Judon. That is a recipe for a deep run for me. When you've seen teams that don't have a just all-time great quarterback win the Super Bowl in the last 15 years, they have had a consistent and deep terrorizing pass rush when it mattered. These guys are going to get after us. If you're in the offensive line room this week for us, they're obviously having the same discussion. What are they saying? Like, how, how do you tackle guys that go this deep? It's tough. No, we, we've seen what Ngakwe can do over the years. He's a force and a great pass rusher, and he is something to worry about. Matt Judon, I think, is actually, he. you know, we saw him get franchise tagged, but he he is also developing into an incredible pass rusher. They And that's something, let's, let's face it, that's something that the Ravens always do. From Terrell Suggs to Michael Boulware, they've always had these pass rushers and outside linebackers that can get after it. That doesn't change. So hopefully we can just look at it and be like, well, that's who the Ravens are. We know what we need to do. We need to run straight at them. Because these guys, as good as they are, they can be neutralized. Especially the guys like Judon. And we've seen Ngakwe, when you double him and run right at him, he's not anywhere near as effective. But together, they make a big scary front. And that, like I said, that's the thing I worry about most. You know, we didn't, they didn't have Campbell last, last time we played. You know, we saw Derrick Henry have a great day on the ground. A lot of things have changed. This is a much different team, and they've come together really well on defense lately. They held the Bengals to three points. I mean, that's without Joe Burrow, but you, you got to look at all this stuff and, and understand that this team, they're a tough team, and you know, after what we did to them last January, you better believe that's bulletin board material for them all year. Well, that's a good segue because the prevailing memory I have of last January and this game was very early in that game, Lamar Jackson looking back to his own sideline, confused. Landon, do we have the personnel? Do we have the defensive play calling and scheming to do the same Sunday? I don't think so. And what really made the upset possible in the divisional game was – we were able to play Daquan Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and Jarrell Casey. So we plugged up the middle of the offensive line. We plugged up the run game while still not sacrificing any pass rush. And then we played maximum contain on Lamar Jackson, pretty much daring their lackluster receivers to beat us. And it didn't happen. But this year, we have two good players on the defensive line instead of four, counting Harold Landry in the three. Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry, as good as he has been, he gets gassed because he has to play 90% of the snaps, which it's just unfair for an edge to have to play that much. And last year, our secondary was so much better than it was this year. Last year, it was top 10. This year, it's bottom five. And just Dean Pease to Vrabel or Shane Bowen or whoever's calling plays, that's an even massive, that's an even bigger drop off. I fully believe that, like you're talking about Landon, with Pease in the box last year, we were able to scheme for these guys, get the tape on them figure out what they do best, take it away, and that's how we won. That's how we marched into Baltimore. I hope I'm not going too far by saying it was like one of the biggest playoff history upsets that we've seen in a while. There's no you know? question I mean, it was. We, we marched in there. We were big underdogs. Baltimore dominated the regular season them. last year. We went in and we beat them at home. It was huge. And uh, frankly surprising even to the three of us. Right. 
<laughs> I remember sitting there with us. I was literally shaking on the floor of, of your apartment, thinking, Absolutely. "Oh my God, we're gonna do it!" And you guys, you guys were like, right. "Don't drink the Kool Aid." I'm like, "No, we're gonna do it." But and then we did it, and I was I drove home in like disbelief. <laughs> John talks about the strength of their team. It's undoubtedly their rushing game. Lamar Jackson being maybe the best rusher in the NFL, really, besides our guy. They have run with three guys this year. I know Mark Ingram has had some injury issues, but Gus Edwards is an underrated guy. J.K. Dobbins has really come on of late. Who do you expect to see back there with Lamar the most? It'll be mainly Dobbins. He's the superior third down back, so it gives him more versatility. Edwards is more of a bruising inside guy. Dobbins has more long speed. And Dobbins has really took off over the last month. He finished first among qualifying running backs in yards per carry at six. He's super explosive. He's jittery. He played pretty well consistent in the first matchup. And he's just been trending to where he's the number one option. Edwards is the number two. Ingram is the number three. We are wearing the... The double dark blues, which honestly, it's my favorite combination. It's been no mystery to the Titans nation that we play our best football when we're wearing dark blue pants, at least. And I always love the dark blue jerseys. So I think that's huge for us. I'm so glad they didn't decide to make this a code blue and trot us out in the the Smurf outfits, because that is when we perform our worst. (laughs) Landon, what did you say? We're like 0-9 in code blue? Well, it's only 0-2 in the all light blue, but I believe... When we wear any of the light blue, whether it be a top or the bottom separately, we haven't won a game. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And you wouldn't think that that's something that teams have to deal with. <laughs> Let it be superstitious, a superstition or a terrible, terrible performing team when we wear those light blue jerseys. And uh, honestly, I got a, I have a light blue Adoree Jackson jersey. I'm, I'm debating on chucking just, in, just because of it. Last week, you didn't want us to be the ESPN game. You want the broadcast to be one of the networks. It is ESPN, but they're doing some unique stuff, right? Yeah, historically, the ESPN wildcard game has always been the black sheep of the wildcard games. It's always been the worst matchup, the worst announcers, the worst presentation. But at the very least, they're diversifying their approach this year. They have their regular commentating booth. On ESPN2, they're going to have a bunch of analysts and former NFL players on the call breaking down X's and O's which they've done before with the college football national championship games. They've also simulcasting it on the ESPN Spanish. So at the very least, if we aren't satisfied with the ESPN one broadcast, we can get a more hardcore approach or we can just get the excitement of the Spanish broadcasters. El Tractorcito might be one of my favorite, you know, radio calls or broadcast calls is, when, is on the Spanish channel. They call Derek Henry El Tractorcito. And I think it's just incredible. <laughs> They're like, El Tractorcito at the 30. It's like, oh, yes, go. So, I mean, that's something to get you jazzed right. about. And I know uh, I know we have a large contingent of Titans fans. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot know, of Spanish-speaking folks uh, are and big-time in Titans fans. So, you know, I've uh, met several in our travels. And, uh, you know, like Lana said, I don't speak Spanish. I, w- I would just like to hear yeah. the energy, though, almost. Because I know what's happening. I don't need you to tell me, but I do love the energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing like Spanish broadcasts. We all expect Aaron Rodgers to be named MVP. John, do you expect Derek Henry to be named that weird uh, second prize they give known as Offensive Player of the Year? I would sure hope so. I mean, if listen, 
we all know it's so easy to give it to a quarterback. You know, quarterbacks are thrown for nearly 5,000 yards every season and 40 touchdowns with limited interceptions, and that's kind of what Aaron Rodgers is and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm kind of hoping they look at it from the lens of, yeah, Aaron Rodgers did all that, but he had a hundred receivers, <laughs> including Devontae Adams. He had a tight end that really developed really well, and he has all these weapons. And same thing with Mahomes. He's got Tyreek Hill, which, you know, Tyreek Hill can just start out at 60, mi- 60 miles an hour. But I'm hoping they look at it and be like, well, Derrick Henry has been a workhorse since he got in the league and since he became a starter. And, you know, in the last calendar year, he's probably closer to 2,800 yards or somewhere around there, closer to 3,000 if you include the playoffs. I think he's deserving of something, some credit. There's a whole list of running backs that used to get the MVP, like consecutively. I would love for us to get back to that to kind of re-identify, throw some support at the ground game, because Derrick Henry is doing stuff in this game that we haven't seen for a very, very long time. A bit of a shift in that, like you said. If Derrick Henry were to lead the Titans to an NFL championship or a Super Bowl appearance over one of these dominant quarterbacks, if it was shown Mahomes was Mahomes, he was good, but Henry just took the ball away from him. They just went that way. I think the next year or in subsequent years, Landon, you can tell me if you agree, that we might see a bit of a shift. I think this really is about value in the back of these voters' minds. They think, hey, this is going to happen. This league is going to be decided. This championship is going to be decided based on Rodgers or Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. I think the way for that to really change would be one of these guys kind of take over. The receiver thing is different because Devontae Adams, if you actually watch the game, He is so good, and he has made life really easy for Aaron Rodgers. But it's this constant thing of, like, the guy who throws the ball gets more credit than the guy who catches it. But with running back, I think that's what it would take. I think Derrick Henry would just have to to beat one of these guys in this playoff run. Before you – let me – one thing I want to ask you guys this question before you get to your analysis land do you both think yes. it would be different if we had gone up to if green Henry bay and would have beat dominated them? in that game i i do think now i do too these guys are kind of set in their ways uh, so you never know they might have done it but i do that's an excellent question and i think i think henry would have won if he'd went in there and single-handedly kind of won that game uh what do you think Landon? i think it would have been a legitimate controversy between rogers and henry because Rodgers would have still had a good game, even if we had won or played them really well, and Henry had a big game. But it's just Henry was neutralized. Rodgers just walked all over our defense, and that was that. For me, sadly, I don't really see any way a non-quarterback can win MVP for the foreseeable future. With the relaxing of defensive rules, allowing offenses greater liberties, especially the tie law rule in the early 2000s, offenses have just exploded, like you said, John, Every year, there's a quarterback on a great team, on a great offense, putting up historic numbers, and it's just impossible to match. Adrian Peterson in 2012 was a legitimate MVP where he had 2,000 yards, six yards per carry, so better than Henry, and he was on a terrible offense. It was the bum they drafted from FSU. They had no passing game. He was everything. He literally carried a bad team to the playoffs. Yeah, Christian Ponder. Yeah, Christian Ponder. I think... With Henry, yes, he has 2,000. Yes, he had a great year, but we're still a great team overall. Tannehill is a great quarterback. Just to the voters, running back is just so much more dependent on everything else that I just don't see anything. I just hope the national perception of non-quarterbacks, hopefully they start seeing the Offensive Player of the Year as the MVP for everybody else. Like Michael Thomas last year, Henry this year, 
every time a non-quarterback wins it, which should be almost every year. That's essentially an MVP. It just seems like a, a parting gift for who finishes second, I guess. I don't know how they differentiate it. There is none. That needs to be renamed the Jim Brown Award. They need to give that to a non-quarterback. And a non-quarterback can win the MVP if there's a crazier. You make a great point about Adrian Peterson. And nobody thinks Ryan Tannehill is Christian Ponder. So in that way, I guess they aren't going to give Henry. It wouldn't matter what he ran for, I guess. And if there is an all-time great, like if Henry would have run for 2,500 yards, yeah, they give him the MVP too. But I don't think a quarterback should win Offensive Player of the Year. I think they, like you said, subtly do that now. But they just need to go all in, name it after Jim Brown or Jerry Rice or something. And that way we could get really excited and think. Because we could be having a Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry conversation right now. I'd much rather be having that than a conversation that we know the answer to. All right, guys, let's talk the rest of the playoffs. Pretty good slate starting Saturday, noon Eastern. Colts at Buffalo. I think the Colts have a chance to win this game. I like their pass rush. River scares the heck out of me and everybody else, but Jonathan Taylor, not Thomas, has looked really good down the stretch. The Bills are a good team and well-coached, but I want to see Josh Allen in a pressure game. This is going to be it. Yeah, no, I I think the Colts definitely have a shot. We know how good their defense can be. They are playing in Buffalo, so it is going to be tough. You know it's going to be super cold there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the single digits. The The thing for bands, uh, for Bill's faithful, uh, they are allowing fans into the stadium for the first time all year, and I think that is going to be a huge difference for the Bills. They are going to be energi- energized and motivated to win, having their best finish in, what, since Jim Kelly at 13-3. and three. So I think they're going to be extra motivated. Indy can do it, but I don't think they will. So it, it's really going to be a really great matchup to get us started, though. So I'm a lot of folks to see what's in the happen. AFC. Do, do you feel the same way about Buffalo? Do you trust Josh Allen? I think I do. They've picked it up down the stretch. Allen has improved as the season's gone on. Last week in Buffalo, the Dolphins, who had a top three defense, he just destroyed. It's them or the Chiefs in the AFC, I think, as far as heavy ferrets go. And the Chiefs have won, I believe, six straight games with their starters by single digits. So they've they're 14, they were 14-1 and one with a full roster. They're really good but their record is slightly overstated. And in a duel, I think Josh Allen can do enough, but either way, in this first game, it's a win-win for me. Either the two seed, the second most dangerous team to us, and our bad secondary goes down, or the Colts lose. I can't lose either way. The third game they have seen this weekend, Browns-Steelers. Pittsburgh is a six-point favorite. Obviously, this game is at Heinz Field. Do you like these division matchups in the first in the wild card? I think they're interesting, but at the same time, it's like okay, we've seen this mat, we've seen this this movie three times this year already. Like maybe it's just the way things are unfolding, but with this matchup and COVID wreaking havoc on the Browns roster, I don't think it's going to even be be close. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Steelers win by like twenty points. Well, kind of get get back to basics here, but the Browns, even with their COVID issues, the fancy's not uh, able to coach this game directly. Even with that being said, they have a good pass rush. They have a, a great pass rusher in Miles Garrett. I have trouble trusting Baker Mayfield, but they have a really good running game. I, I think Cleveland has a chance to win this game. I would say that they have a chance if it wasn't that Pittsburgh played them really well this year. First game, they annihilated the Browns. Then last week with resting a bunch of their starters and stars, they took the Browns down the wire. Baker Mayfield had to run a sprint option outright to get them into the playoffs. Like you said, their offense, the Steelers' offensive line is really bad. It's just been covered up by Big Ben, essentially being Drew Brees this year. They don't have any running game, so that should partially help 
the Browns' bad secondary, who who will be missing Denzel Ward because of COVID. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, a great offensive line, even though they'll be missing Joe Batonio at left guard. Just a running game in the playoffs in the cold. Whenever you get up and you can just ice a game and grind it out, there's always a chance. But just the Steelers' defense, I think, is a bit too good. And the Browns' defense is just a bit too bad. Seahawks Saturday, 3.40 Central, followed by primetime Tampa Bay. The Bucks travel to the Washington football team. And then a Sunday afternoon after our game, 3.40 Bears at Saints. What stands out to you, big fella? Again, not to count people out, but what kind of competition are the Rams going to be able to give Seattle? We've heard that... Jared Goff broke his thumb. Obviously, he's not going to be 100%. He hasn't been ruled out yet, but I think it's going to be a challenge without him because, you know, they've had a myriad of injuries on with running backs this year, and they kind of circle through their rotation. The good thing is that all of their running backs have proven capable of doing that, but Seattle's weakness is the passing game. So I, I I think Seattle wins that one pretty easily. The most interesting game for me is probably going to be that Tampa Bay-Washington game because Washington is sneaky good. They have a really tough defense. They've got Antonio Gibson coming back, so he's a full strength. They've got Alex Smith coming back. They got rid of Dwayne Haskins, which <laughs> he just seems like he was a cancer to the team. And, you know, Chase Young is... You know, he's a man. He's a man among. He's a man child among boys out there, and it's just, uh, it's always fun to watch him play, and he always finds a way to have a huge impact on the game. So I'll be really interested to see that. And I mean, and also, Tom Brady. As much as we might hate him, he's gonna go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, he will be ready, and he has his best supporting cast of running backs and wide receivers. Depth of you know that he's probably ever had really something. You know, short but of but it's weird Randy how they Moss. still run on first and second down. Uh, so much Leonard Fournette with what they have, I think they'll let Tom loose and let him kind of do his thing. But they've had a few stinkers this season, so maybe we'll see them kind of get right. We know they've there was going to be some calibration there. You make a good point. Washington gets zero love nationally, but they have a really good defense. If they can get any production or consistency from the quarterback position, I mean, we'll see. Uh, home underdogs, wild card weekend, speaks for itself. I think they're more than a seven-point underdog. What stands out to you in the NFC wild card weekend? Rams, Seahawks is really interesting – for my money, two of the top 10 teams went healthy and two of the more volatile teams in the second half. Russell Wilson was really inconsistent, had a lot of turnovers. The Rams offense, even with a healthy Jared Goff, was in the bottom third. Meanwhile, the Seahawks defense went from historically maybe the worst ever to around average, a bit above average down the stretch. And the Rams have the best defense in the NFL. They've got maybe the best corner in Jalen Ramsey and some great running mates around him. And they've got the best player in the NFL and Aaron Donald up front. Even if they had John Wolford at quarterback with the Rams, the Seahawks, they just haven't really been able to put away good teams this year. Outside of when they played the Jets, they've had a lot of close games down the stretch. Even last week, a really banged up Niners team trying to lose to get a better draft pick. Russell Wilson had to make a fourth quarter Season, comeback. I, I think the Rams have a chance. I know John makes a really good point with um, Jared Goff, thumb issues, but... Is a really good defense in Seattle. After a hot start, they've been they've been a little weird to me. So honestly, I would kind of like to see it because no one expects it. Really excited for the whole weekend. Two extra games, so we hope everybody has a safe, great weekend. 
Whatever way you listen to us, we're glad that you did. Follow us, uh, leave a comment. We just really appreciate all of our listeners, all the great Titans fans out there. Have a great weekend. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.